0: who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. And this week we have a special guest. Her name is Melissa Romo, and I'm really excited for you to hear from her because she is in one of those, quote, non-traditional social work roles, but her job is really, really fascinating. And I think part of it, the best part of it, in my opinion, would be that you can do micro work and macro work all in the same day. So it provides a really, really great spectrum Of helping people and specifically helping college students, which chances are, if you are listening to this episode, you have experience as a college student. So, boom, you already have an in to this type of career because you know exactly what it feels like to be a college student and to know what kind of problems college students deal with and face on a daily basis. So her career is actually in student affairs. So she received her BA in communications with a minor in human services from Cal State Fullerton and a masters of social work in adult mental health and wellness from USC, University of Southern California. Melissa has over seven years of experience working in higher education program and service development, grant and scholarship management, student leadership development, mass communication, and even holistic student wellness. I love this. I love it. She provides students guidance and support when trying to navigate financial matters, confusing policies and procedures, providing immediate, and short-term emotional and psychological support. Her ultimate goal is just overall student development and student wellness so that she can support college students during their time there on campus. Her experience includes working with diverse student populations, especially first-time, non-traditional, first-generation students with disabilities and veterans and military connected to promote access and retention, also to enrich the academic environment and just overall enhance your experiences as a student. So she is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to higher education support. We are going to hear directly from her about what does a day in her life look like? What type of work does she do? How do we get started in this? And what type of salary can we expect? As a disclaimer, Melissa is not an official representative of her college. She is speaking on her own behalf from her own personal experiences. So with that, we're going to listen to a quick ad from our sponsor, the RISE Directory. If you are a clinical supervisor or looking for someone to supervise you during your clinical hours towards licensure... Definitely, definitely go check out the RISE directory right now. And with that, let's hop into this episode with Melissa. This episode is proudly brought to you by the RISE directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes, check it out, and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Hello, Melissa. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Social Workers Rise podcast. I am so excited to talk to you today.
1: Well, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it, and I'm very excited to talk to you.
0: Yes, yes, of course. So I just love to hear from social workers who are working in what you could call non-traditional like fields, mm-hmm. uh, but still using our social work skills.
1: Oh, that's great! I love it too.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I I hate for I always hear all the time like, oh, you know, what can I do with a social work degree? Or mm-hmm. even even worse, they feel stuck like just working in a nonprofit setting or a government setting. And I try to tell them, like, no, you have so many amazing <laughs> so <much>. skills. Yes.
1: <laughs> no, so, I definitely understand that. And I've had that conversation with so many people, too.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you have. So you work in a student affairs. Tell us what I don't I don't really even know what that is. Tell us what that <laughs> is. And, and how did you come to, like, land that position?
1: yeah of course and so student affairs is the department um well actually it's more the division on campus i think every university operates a little differently um that supports students and um it really can look very different from campus to campus um and on our campus specifically you know we have academic affairs that oversees all the classes and the courses the professors that's kind of where they all are um student affairs supports anything that's outside of the classroom whether it's financial aid um counseling, psychological services, uh, student engagement opportunities, leadership, all kind of outside of that athletics, it kind of just kind of falls in there. Um, And then, you know, we have the division of IT and then HR, right, so we have these different divisions and student affairs is kind of like this catch all sometimes. Um, But that's where a lot of the student uh, support kind of lives in and, and that's just in general, the student affairs field. Um, How I started in the field of student affairs was actually all just about time and place in my life. When I started college, my intention was to pursue a career in media communications and that was my path. So for my degree and my minor, I was required to do internships. And um, at that time I was working off campus. So having an internship on campus while I was, you know, between classes, you know, was really beneficial for me. And so I found a campus program that needed a communications media intern This was for the veterans program on campus. Um, And as a side note, Catherine, my husband um, was about to discharge from the military. And so he's he's a military veteran. And so I figured that it would be beneficial to have access to these resources Mm -hmm. while completing my requirement. And so this was this like dual benefit um, uh, internship. And yeah, and so there it was where I really kind of became aware of this field of student affairs. Um, I was an, uh, a traditional commuter student. I just went in for my classes, left, went to work, and then got home. And so um, I didn't really have that on-campus experience until I did my internships, which was towards the end um, of, of my time in college. And uh, so for those internships, you know, for communications, I did all the programs, communications efforts, social media, graphic design, photography, kind of all things communication. Um, But then I also had a minor that I had an internship for and I had really enjoyed the program and, and what I got to do there that I wanted to do my second internship there, but in a different role. So I transitioned into this um, programmatic support role, creating events, providing services and resources, and engaging the military community on campus. And and that's kind of where it really started for me. Um, You know, when the program was about to be a fully funded department, um, it went from a small program in another department to its own department. They needed more full-time staff and they really liked how I contributed to their efforts and brought me on as the administrative assistant office coordinator. Um, I did that for a couple of years and realizing that I wanted to do more and that I could do more and so I began I moved into the program coordinator role where I or I directly organized these events and services and you know while still managing communications and I kind of ended up staying there for over six years. I, en- I engaged in different experiences We ended up building a nationally recognized veteran center and supporting a military community. Um, And during that time, I decided to pursue my MSW. I saw that the work really fit in what I was doing. I really wanted to dig deeper and and be a better professional. And so it it really led to me wanting to pursue my MSW.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So I love Mm -hmm. how how you took the different parts of your life, both personal and professional, and integrated Mm -hmm. them into your career to really help other people on a large, or as we call in social work, as a macro scale, Mm -hmm. uh, because you had personal experience uh, with the military and being um, a spouse of a veteran. Mm -hmm. And so you use that personal experience to then shape this program for other military families. And also, you know, be able, being able to work within the system to really make a big impact. I think that's amazing, Melissa. Well, oh, thank you. And it really was unintended. You know, I was really
1: a student wanting to complete all my requirements that it really, like, made me open my eyes to a world that I had missed out on because of my own identities. Um that I really wanted to, to engage it and support other students, seeing, you know, um, the areas that I could be of support um, and how, you know, we can help change the student's experience on campus. And so that kind of just really developed into its own, my own career path in that way.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So I've heard a lot of struggles with students right now. I know specifically with social work students, and I'm sure with most students, but I've done my, <laughs> I've done my research specifically around <laughs> social work students that their mental health is really, really struggling and finances are really, really tight right mm-hmm. now. Have you noticed this across the board?
1: Yes. Um, and across the board for me is a little different. Um, and, and so my current role, um, I, uh, I'm an assistant dean for student affairs. And so, I have the privilege of really working with an awesome team and getting to lead the implementation of you know, strategic university goals to support first-gen, uh, underrepresented, and Pell Grant recipient scholars. So right now, my scope of work is very specific to this these identities. Um, and so yes, when when the pandemic kind of started, I was actually pretty new to that role. Um, I had been in it for about six months and we had already previously seen some of these you know um, you know students asking for more mental health support services uh, finances you know specifically working with students who were not really receiving financial support from families so they were fully receiving Pell Grant so we already kind of were in that world but we definitely saw an increase um, once you know 2020 kind of came around, um, that even just across campus, the students were asking for more mental health services. Our CAPS center um, really needed to address it in a different way. You know, we had to create, um, you know, shorter meetings, more group meetings, more uh, group support. Um, even staff was trying to figure out ways that we can um, kind of mitigate some of those needs and, and how can we be responsive.
0: And what is CAPS?
1: Ah, uh, counseling and psychological services. Sorry, I'm so used okay. to the acronyms.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's yeah, that's interesting. I, I've mm-hmm. I've heard that it's been a struggle for students and faculty alike. You yeah. know, on on both ends. Um, so you mentioned your job role role was working with the dean. What exactly is your role again?
1: So my role is an assistant dean for student affairs and so it's a little different than uh, an academic college dean and it's a little different than the uh, dean of students and so we're kind of this bridge between student affairs and academic affairs. Um, On our campus specifically it it works per college but my program is a little unique that um, I kind of stand alone without a college that I'm connected to so I just support the, the program itself.
0: Ah, I see. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what is a typical day like for you?
1: Well, it's um, definitely, first of all, it's going to be always managing multiple projects. My day is filled with all kinds of tasks. Um, I'm never just, you know, processing one set of applications or, you know, it's really a variety of work that I'm doing. Um, I really get to explore all kinds of things between student engagement, program development, crisis management, budget grant management, assessment. So it really ranges. Um, so one day I could, I mean, one moment, I could be in meetings with a student discussing their classes, personal and professional development opportunities, uh, any may, maybe personal um, situations they might be going through. Um, and then the next I'm giving a workshop on how to build strengths, wellness techniques, you know, access to resources. Meetings with um, uh, different staff on campus to collaborate on various events. We're having workshops and collaborations. You know, being a part of committees, staff meetings, and so there's a lot of different things that my, my role and my days look like. Um, and I still do a lot of the graphic design and communications, so that's still pretty much on the usual. And so my my days really are really vary, really vary for sure.
0: Wow, it sounds like there's not one day that is the same. And it's really no. cool. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you have a hybrid between macro and micro position that you do all of it.
1: Yes, yes, um, very much so. And and I do get to, you know, really work with one on one with students, um, but then also be able to inform, um, you know, how we want to support over 600 students and, and then inform the university um, any recommendations that we have, or, you know, be a part of really different um, campus wide initiatives. So it really does vary a lot, a lot.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that, Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you feel like the skills that you learned in your social work program and your MSW program have contributed to the success in your role now? absolutely uh, i definitely
1: think there could be more people with a social work or just general human development and service backgrounds in higher education i mean every day we work with people uh, we are in the people developing business and you know having my degree in social work has really contributed to me feeling comfortable in doing that work um, especially when it comes to crisis situations or change management um, maybe understanding you know pivotal developmental changes or stages um, Or the impact of intersecting identities, you know, the whole biopsychosocial spiritual area.
0: Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you're enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to this ad from our sponsor.
1: It really has, you know, really made me feel comfortable in that work. Um, And these are not things that they always teach us in staff trainings. And that's one thing that I've realized being in student affairs is that really does focus more on the student development piece um and you know there's professionals with all kinds of different experiences you know they might have pursued a master's in biology and they found themselves you know working as an advisor and so um they don't really teach a lot of it in the staff trainings and so um it really is kind of like a hands-on learning so having the skills you know from my social work degree have really lend to me feeling comfortable and, and really having a different kind of insight and perspective into the student experience um, and really help me be the professional I want to be in this space.
0: Yeah, that's really cool because I would imagine I can see how people from different degrees would be mm-hmm. able to fit in that role because, I mean, we were all students and especially mm-hmm. if you got your master's, gosh, you were a student yeah. for a long time.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
0: And so who better to speak on behalf of students and students' needs than someone who was just there, you know, last year or something.
1: Exactly. And, and you know, you're also working with staff and, and sometimes we rely on each other and we collaborate. And so being able to also be there for your colleagues um, in a different way, you know, and being empathic and and being able to be supportive as well and, and helping, you know, as they kind of going
0: through their process and we're going through our own process, we can lean on each other in a different way, I think. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. What would you say is the best part of your job?
1: Um, well, aside from the variety of work I kind of shared that I get to engage in every day, um, I'd really say is that being a part of this larger mission that really aims to support the development and growth of people. Um, it, it's been a unique experience to explore and implement the ways that we can support and enhance the experience of people in this learning environment. So either through supporting their own personal goals, career goals, their own mental health, um, it, it's, really, it's really been a blessing to, to have that opportunity to experience all of that. Um, and even if it, any it ranges, you know, whether supporting veterans returning from service or young adults straight from high school, um, you know, I, I really overall enjoy being able to explore the ways we can support our communities and serve our communities in an empathic and equitable ways and make and hopefully make decisions that provide transformative experiences while they're here with us.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. I love that. What would you say is the most challenging part of your job?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'd say that um, just because it's the most challenging doesn't mean I I don't enjoy it. But sometimes having to be the one to do it all can be stressful. Um, now, don't get me wrong. This isn't just me. Um, student affairs is filled with staff who often have to wear multiple hats. Um, like I mentioned, you know, student affairs does have this kind of catch-all. Um, and yes, there are positions that are specifically, you know, for counseling psychological services where. Um, you know, there's advisors, there's you know financial aid counselors, and so there's all these different roles. But sometimes that you know students don't really know who to go to, where to go to, what to do. And so wherever we can kind of make those connections, sometimes we do have to wear these multiple hats and and have to know a little bit about everything. And and so I definitely do think that everyone has the capacity, um, but it can be challenging to always try to do it all. So switching modes. Um, you know one moment we have reports and data that we have to to send to our leadership and, and kind of be tracking at the same time we're planning with various campus partners for semesters worth of workshops um you know contributing to the committees and then having ongoing students with meetings which again like i mentioned earlier can range you know one meeting i can be talking about their classes and the next the students dealing with a crisis and so really kind of having to switch my mind and shifting on all of these roles can at times be um, challenging, especially when students really either trust you or they trust the department and they, you know, consistently reach out to, to you for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so really knowing, <laughs> knowing the boundaries for that, leaning on each other, I think that has been most challenging. And, I, and I've seen it across with a few colleagues too, where, you know, it, it can be overwhelming to, To have to consistently be trying to do it all at the same time,
0: right? Yeah, Um, and definitely, yeah. I've heard that too. That it's hard to have those boundaries, Mm -hmm. um, even for even for people who are going from work and they're hearing these crisis stories and Mm -hmm. it's very stressful, and then um, transitioning to home and family life. So, do how do you how do you you know set that boundary for yourself, or you know, like the mental boundary?
1: It's definitely an ongoing process. I'll tell you, I definitely get caught up in my work a lot. Um, I think almost everyone who knows me knows that I'm uh, definitely always working. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think that's just because I'm driven by, you know, feeling that there's always something I can do. And so I'm always working on honoring my own experiences, um, setting my personal boundaries um, and, and just reminding myself that just because I can do it doesn't mean I have to or, you know knowing when I can push it off to the next day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then I just remind myself that it leaves room for my energy for the moments that I will need it the most. um, When, when things may become more critical that I need to be at my best. Right. And so I, there are certain areas that I've learned to, you know, Melissa, this can, this can wait. Let's, let's come back to this later. This doesn't need your energy energy now. Mm -hmm. Um, but also asking for what I need. I think that I have a really great, um, team that I work within that we've really just gotten used to asking each other for what we need. Um, and that's really given me the time to really practice that, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, I I can't do it right now. Is it okay if I turn it in? You know, if I work on it in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I have that extra time? Is it, is it necessary now? Or hey, I can't. I can't get to this. Would you be able to you know, to respond to the student on my behalf, right? Um, so really, being able to lean on each other and leaning on your team, and really asking for what for what you need. And so I've I've been really practicing that at home too. My husband and I really lean on each other, and so I, I practice that with him. Or I ask him, how should I approach this? You know, really having someone um, to to talk that over. So my team. Um, my husband, and for sure, mentors, finding mentors um, that can help you through these situations as well.
0: Yeah, so I'm hearing a lot of different ways that you do this, and it probably depends on each day. But Mm -hmm. one, you definitely have really strong working relationships and personal and social relationships with people who you trust and who we can rely on and who um, can help you when you need it and vice versa, when when they Mm -hmm. need help that you are able to step in as well. Um, it sounds like you prioritize what's most important and what can wait, or what can be delegated to someone else to who may be able to um, to help out with that. And mm-hmm. and asking for help, which is huge. A lot of times, we, um, especially as women, we feel like we need to do it all, and yes. and we're the best person. No one can do it like us, right? <laughs> uh,
1: this is a very new practice for me. So I, you know, it's definitely a lot of undoing bad habits.
0: <laughs> hmm. Yep. Yep. And it's learned habits too, because a lot of it times is. I talk to other social workers who are given life circumstances. We've had to be independent. We've had to do mm-hmm. it all by ourselves and we've had yeah. to just like step up and, and I've even told myself, I'm like, look, if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it, <laughs> but <laughs> But those are, you know, um, ingrained stories that we tell ourselves that may not necessarily still be true. But we're, we constantly have to kind of test it, and you know, and get out there and ask for help, and trust that the other person is going to do a good job, or you know, at least at least get it done, right? You know, exactly. that, done is better than perfect.
1: <laughs> exactly, and 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 it's being able to discern when when is you know doing it to our best abilities is important and when does it just need to get done right mm-hmm. like you said better is done than perfect um and and you know it really does help to have that awareness because you know and this is a very common thing in our field is is burnout
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and we definitely want to do everything we can to to minimize that So so being having that our own awareness, especially if we're in the work of asking people to do the same thing for themselves, Mm -hmm. um, definitely being able for us to to also, you know, walk, walk the talk, essentially.
0: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. that's so true. So. Um, if someone is interested in getting started or getting into a role with student affairs, what can they do to really get started or get experience? Uh, what type of experience should they look for or skills that they should be developing? Oh, for
1: sure. And so I've, I have had this conversation um, with quite a few people, some in MSW, some in, you know, who were just interested in higher ed. And I think it all depends. Um, I think it depends on what people want to do in higher ed um, because, like I mentioned earlier, there's so many different roles that people can get connected to. Um, So specifically in student affairs, um, it might be might be doing some exploration about what role you want to work in. Um, You know, HR is a little easier to kind of find that connection. IT might be a little, you know, easier to find that connection as well. but higher ed is really d- depending on what you want to do, right? And so, um, like you mentioned earlier, we've all gone through schooling. Um, so our own experience really does contribute to that. You know, there are already probably some things that students engaged in that could lend to, um, you know, them continuing to pursue a role in that. So, for example, um, you know, if you participated in a, in a group or a department or a program, um, maybe using those contacts or that experience to, to kind of build on that. Right? Um, so really finding what you want to do, and if you're not really quite sure, um, you know if, if you're a student or you're, you just have the opportunity to gain experience, finding either internships or volunteer opportunities. Um, those are really great ways to start. Uh, you know we we love volunteers, um, and there's definitely lots of internships available. Um, but even getting connected through like alumni associations. So you know you have your bachelor's or your under um, or your masters. Um, if you went to two different schools, you have different areas and avenues that you can explore getting connected to the campus departments. Um, but yeah, so really finding and also finding some direct connection to the work you want to do. So if let's say you currently do case management, and you want to be an advisor, um, kind of finding ways to fill those gaps, there's already very similar things, right, you're working with people one on one, you're supporting their growth or development, you're providing resources, but now maybe it's just that specific academic piece, right? How can you find um, ways to do that and get connected to departments. Um, and so, one great way to do that is to do informational interviews. Um, you know, LinkedIn is a great way to find people, campus departments for the most part, for so students have access to information, have all their information on websites that you can reach out to them, ask them, hey, I'm looking for, to get into student affairs. I'd love to meet with you. Um, can I have, you know, a few moments of your time? and make sure to ask for referrals, you know, who else can I talk to, um, you know, based on the information I provided for you, is there anyone else that I can, that I can talk to, and so really networking is going to be important, um, especially if you don't have that experience um, in, in kind of the higher ed um, piece, um, and there's also professional organizations, so there is NASPA, which is the National Association of Student Personnel Administrators, they do provide, you um, resources, it, it, it is a it's kind of like a membership, but they do have like a blog, they do have, um, you know, journal articles and, and resources that they provide out. Um, and then there's also Inside Higher Ed. And so it's inside at ed, ed. which also provides a lot of information, um, resources for professionals, job opportunities across the US. And so this, this kind of just has like a whole, you know, nationwide view of of the state of higher ed in information on there. So that's really great to get informed of what's going on in higher education and what positions are, are really needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And all the links are in the bio if you're interested. Um, thank you so much. I do want to know, I didn't give this question to you up front, so <laughs> you can defer it <laughs> if you want, but like, what would be the the salary that someone would expect, you know, just starting like if they're trying to negotiate their salary, do you have any insight on that?
1: Um, yes. And so there's actually, it depends. So I work for the state university system. And so they have pretty much all of that online. It depends. I would say it depends on your education and what you bring in. Um, But it is the state system for me. And so um, there's kind of like a really set standard of pay. Okay, um, and it is union covered. So it can range anywhere from, you know, forty five let's say from very beginning, kind of starting roles. And, you know, administrators, it can range up to way above, you know, six figures. And so um, I, I think it really there's a range of, of wherever kind of people are at in their profession and where they want to transfer into.
0: Okay. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Melissa. And where can people find you? Oh, um, people can find me on LinkedIn. You're welcome to reach out to me. I'd be
1: more than happy to answer questions, meet with anyone. And my Instagram, I've also provided to you. um, So people are also welcome to, to contact me through there.
0: Great. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Of course. Thank you, Catherine. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars, and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You'll have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot. And share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast are for general information only. And any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk this podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.